So there's a couple of pieces of bad news about this. Tonight, the new faster spreading variant of COVID-19 is detected in Canada. Plus. It's really different. Different how? Uh, a lot less people. More calm than crazy. The pandemic's impact on Boxing Day and. The mix up will not happen again, guaranteed. The West Vancouver grocery store makes amends after a food bank donation comes up short. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. The new variant of COVID-19 first identified in the UK has now been detected here in Canada. Ontario health officials have confirmed two of our first cases in a couple from Durham. It's the first time the more contagious strain has been found in this country. The province's associate chief medical officer of health says a couple from the Durham region just east of Toronto have tested positive with the strain. They, they are said to have had no travel history, exposure or or high-risk contacts. The Public Health Agency of Canada says it expects other cases of the variant will likely be found in Canada. So there's a couple of pieces of bad news about this. First of all, the fact that it wasn't travelers from the UK means that it was already transmitting within the community in Ontario. So if those two have it, there's a real concern that many others would have it. The second concern is this variant in the UK is increasing transmission by about um, 50%. And so uh, it's not changing the death rates as far as we can tell, which is good, or the rates of hospitalization. But doubling, uh, increasing by 50%, the transmission rate means that we could go from really bending the curve down in places like British Columbia to seeing another spike in cases. Here in BC, Fraser Health has declared an outbreak at the Emerald at Elm Village after one resident and three staff members tested positive for COVID-19. It's an assisted living facility in Surrey. All four people are now in isolation. Health officials add that a rapid response team is now on site. A rather different Boxing Day experience compared to years past. No mass rush to stores for door crasher deals. COVID-19 concerns and restrictions keeping retailers in line and some shoppers at home. But as Nadia Stewart reports, bargain hunters still manage to scope out savings. Much like everything to do with the year 2020, Boxing Day just doesn't look or feel the same. It's different though. Uh, we, we're still doing quite well, but compared to years before, we can see that the traffic is a little bit soft this year. Door crasher sales a bit less prevalent in the midst of a pandemic. Crowds inside the stores are limited, with shoppers wearing masks, maybe browsing less, but more focused on the items they want, says this store manager. The people come in, they know what they want because they probably do the homework uh, with a cell phone or a computer. I would say 90% of the customers that already know what they want. They make it easier and then like they can come in and out a lot faster. While some stores are less populated compared to years past, people are still out, taking advantage of this opportunity to get out of the house. We came early in the morning, there was a couple of lineups, but it's getting busier as, as it gets later, I guess. We had a free day, lots of staying in the house. Yeah, I just thought that might as well. As we head in now to Boxing Day and then Boxing Week, we're going to see uh, some muscle memory about wanting to get out and shop those days. National retail analyst David Gray says those who can wait for the deals will. 
opting instead to shop online and have their Boxing Day purchases shipped to them. And the trend of extended Boxing Day deals continues, stretching over the course of a week. But Gray says the day won't be as social as it typically is. Boxing Day and Boxing Week, we'll get people out trying to get out of the home and, uh, and, and getting into stores, but you can't do the social shopping trips that you're used to. Just how much of an impact the pandemic will have on the Boxing Day bottom line remains to be seen. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Nanaimo RCMP's serious crime unit is investigating after a body was discovered in the old city quarter. Just before 6 o'clock this morning, a 59-year-old man of no fixed address was found dead in the 400 block of Fitzwilliam Street. The man, who is known to police, was last seen at around 9.30 Christmas night. Nanaimo RCMP want to speak with anyone who heard or saw anything in the area overnight. It's been more than three months since a young Vancouver woman went missing. And now Chelsea Poorman's family is coming forward this holiday season, hoping you can help find a break in her case. Paul Johnson has more. That was the first Christmas we had never heard from her. Yeah. A hug and then mustering up the strength to go on TV. Chelsea just turned 25 years old. Um, she's petite. She's First Nations. Um, She's very kind. Chelsea Poorman had practically just arrived in Vancouver, following her mother and sister out from Saskatoon last summer. She came for all the usual reasons. It was like, you know, big city. There's lots of like, resources and opportunities and all that stuff out here. And for two sisters in their 20s, the big city nightlife also beckoned. On the Sunday night of Labor Day weekend, they went out to this bar in Vancouver's Granville Entertainment District, then ended up at an apartment nearby. We went over to my friend's place to go hang out there and just, yeah, it was casual. We were having a couple drinks, talking, laughing. It was there that the sisters got separated, with Chelsea leaving, presumably walking home. Paige managed to get her on her phone, where Chelsea said she was with someone. Yeah, she said, I'm with my new, with my new babe, which makes she met a new man. But having been in the city only a few weeks, Chelsea wasn't known to have a boyfriend. That was the last time her family heard from her. More than three months into this, Vancouver police say they still don't have any significant leads in this, though they say they recently have assigned more people to this case. Chelsea's mother and sister have done a postering campaign throughout the Lower Mainland, raised $10,000 for a reward for information, and are hoping someone knows something about the dark-haired young woman from Saskatoon who walks with a slight limp. Like, how am I supposed to celebrate things if Chelsea can't be there with us? <laughs> like, she missed her birthday, which she loves celebrating her birthday. <sighs> She loves the holidays. She loves Christmas. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Quebec's police watchdog has completed its investigation into Chantelle Moore's death, the Vancouver Island woman fatally shot by police in New Brunswick. The indigenous woman was killed in June during a wellness check after she allegedly walked towards Edmonston police officers with a knife. Her death prompted an external investigation by the Police Oversight Agency, which forwarded the report to New Brunswick's Police Prosecution Service this week. Those findings will be examined to determine if any charges will be laid. Last month, Moore's brother, Michael Martin, reportedly took his own life in a Surrey pretrial centre, further prompting calls for systemic change within the justice system.
A serious crash has closed a section of 16th Avenue in Langley. RCMP say someone was seriously injured in a collision on 16th Avenue between 248th and 256th Streets. No other details have been released, but emergency crews could be seen rescuing someone from a vehicle that had landed on its side. And one person was airlifted to hospital. Motorists have been advised to take an alternative, alternative route as police investigate the scene. And that stretch of road is notorious for excessive speeding. Where's those it? I lost, I lost everything I owe. Several people are temporarily homeless this Boxing Day after fire destroyed a home in Langley overnight. RCMP are investigating the cause of the blaze, which broke out just after midnight at a property on 200th Street near 20th Avenue. Three people managed to get out safely, one making a daring escape from the flames. A firefighter was injured while stepping on debris. Two eight-year-old dogs, a German Shepherd and a pit bull, are missing. My mom, my auntie Tracy, and uh, my friend Marcus was in here. And uh, my mom woke up to, to smoke um, and, uh, and uh, woke my aunt up and then opened up the door and screamed for Marcus. And uh, apparently he opened up the bedroom door and he barely made it out. He had to jump out the window. They're extremely fortunate. Uh, given, uh, given the amount of fire in the house, uh, I mean, it's, it's extremely fortunate to have, uh, have no, uh, no casualties. Uh, they are missing two dogs uh, at this point. Uh, we haven't been able to account for. IGA is taking swift action after Global BC revealed one of its store's pre-packed food bank donation bags came up short. Kristen Robinson has more on what the grocery chain says went wrong and what it's doing to make things right. $20 bag. We have 99 cent left over Halloween candy. Someone donated 20 bucks for two bags of treats, Rice Krispies, cookies, Alphagetti, and light rye crackers. This is like the Grinch. The brown bag program, which allows customers to buy 10 or $20 worth of prepackaged items for a local food bank. It's not worth $10. It might be 6 Now on hold at IGA's West Vancouver store, where the contents were not adding up. It shouldn't happen. Uh, you know, if it was me, I would be disappointed. The grocery chain says it launched an immediate investigation. Six of its 26 BC stores helped the food bank. IGA says only the independently owned Dunderave store was contributing insufficient items, and its owner has taken full responsibility. The mix-up will not happen again, guaranteed. There's no indication of fraud. Uh, it was truly just a human error on everyone's part. IGA is apologizing to customers in West Vancouver and showing it cares. New protocols are in place and the franchisee will be delivering nearly $10,000 in food and cash to the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. We don't want to discourage any good action. They can all add up. Organizations that work with those in need say it's always important to consider long-term goals when donating. But sometimes it's good to think deeper about why you want to give, what impact you want to make, and whether or not donating money um, might go further than donating goods. We have uh, pasta, pasta sauce. We have a couple tins of soup. IGA is also increasing transparency with clear food bags in all stores to replace the brown bags used for donations. So there will be no more surprises. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
A delivery of emergency response hospital beds that were heading for Vancouver was delayed when the transport truck carrying them crashed on Highway 1. It happened earlier this week near Sorrento during a snowstorm. The semi ended up on its side in a ditch. The 40 hospital beds it was carrying were sent back for inspection to the company in Manitoba that produced them. A representative of Vider Solutions says it wants to inspect them to make sure they're safe. The company says the pandemic means hospital beds are in high demand. A Kamloops woman received a very special gift this Christmas. After years of suffering from a rare kidney disease, she got a second chance at life thanks to someone very near and dear to her. CFJC's Chad Clausen explains. This Christmas season is a little more special for Julie Dodds, a kidney transplant recipient last month. Dodds feels like she has a new lease on life. There's still, like you still have some weird symptoms that are all from the medications. So there's still some stuff that feels a little weird you just have to adjust to. But um, yeah, the energy level alone, like the things I'm able to do without uh, regretting it later is crazy. With a new kidney and boundless energy, relatively speaking, Dodds is able to bake and do other things around the house she simply didn't have the stamina for before. You're going to do laundry and dishes and help your kids with whatever, all of that stuff. And I would be just done mid-afternoon before. Be like, hey, I'm tired and I'll drag myself through dinner. But then I'm, I really, I just got to go lay down. Uh, now I don't have that problem. She's now able to be there for her husband, Alan, and three boys. It's a huge weight off her shoulders. And this is all thanks to her brother, Jason, who stepped up immediately once they were determined to be a match. Honestly, it wasn't much of a choice to make, really. I, I you know, we've, we've known for a few years that this was going to come up. And as soon as I, as soon as I found out I had two good ones, it was a no-brainer for me. I will never, ever really be able to put into words what it means to get a kidney from him. Like, how can you, there's no words to say thank you. I've said thank you. What does that mean? It seems, feels like just words. I can't give anything to him like he's given to me. Julie says after donating his kidney, Jason has given her a lifetime of gifts. Best Christmas present ever. You're off the hook for birthdays and everything for life. I actually got the doctor to take a picture of it. I'm going to send it to her in cards for occasions now. For many, 2020 has been a difficult year. For Julie Dodds, 2020 will go down as a memorable one, but for all the right reasons. Jack Klassen, CFJC News. Like here in BC, an unusual shopping Boxing Day shopping experience in Ontario today, too, with one major difference. Major restrictions have come into effect across that province. For shoppers looking for deals and retailers looking to make final sales before the end of the year, this is a Boxing Day like no other. Brittany Rosen has more. If there's one thing most people can agree on this Boxing Day, it's that. It's different. It was once known as a holiday that saw around the corner lineups for a sale on that jumbo TV now looks like this at stores like Best Buy as people place online orders and wait either in a physically distanced lineup or the car for staff to bring out their product. I don't see the product right away. I just have to uh, trust the description online. We can't do anything like it's tough. It's very, very tough. With the entire province officially locked down, it means most businesses will have to stick to curbside pickup. End of the day, safety is top priority. And I think, uh, you know, we're doing the right way to give our customers the opportunity to shop. 
Meanwhile, pharmacies, supermarkets, and essential retailers like Walmart can stay open for in-person shopping, even though not all items that are sold are essential. Everybody's going with TVs left, right, and center today. Oh, they're just on sale half price. But while non-essential retailers are limited to curbside pickup, big box retailers like Walmart can allow up to 25% capacity and are expected to make the most sales on Boxing Day and throughout the 28-day lockdown. One of the things that the pandemic has done is it's clearly harmed a certain number of businesses unfairly, let's say. Um, but it's also accelerated maybe the decline of certain retailers in a way that they were probably going to die with or without the pandemic anyway. While this may be true for some businesses, some still feel it's unfair and... It's bad for the small retailers. The lockdown comes into effect as Ontario recorded well over 2,000 new COVID-19 cases, both on Christmas and Boxing Day. Brittany Rosen, Global News. The race is on to distribute vaccines around the world. While many are being produced in several countries, there is real concern some will have to wait years for their shots. And that's a problem for everyone. In the global race between injections and infections, millions have now been vaccinated against the COVID virus. In China, where it first appeared, more than 20 vaccines are in production. Several approved and now being sent abroad. Big problem. Uh, the governor of Brazil's most populous state says he'll try to force people to have one of the Chinese vaccines next month in a country with the second highest death toll in the world after the U.S. Yet China hasn't finished trials for its key vaccines. We haven't seen that yet. But scientists also acknowledge the urgent demand. There's no border uh, to this pandemic and there shouldn't be a border to the vaccine. Russia's Sputnik vaccine is another shot in the dark. Its final clinical trial results still unpublished. It doesn't mean that the vaccines are unsafe. And I would argue that to make that assumption is a terrible mistake. But many Russians are skeptical. I think it's dangerous. I'm scared of this very much. Maybe I'll take it, yeah, why not? Yet the European vaccine maker, AstraZeneca, has signed a deal with Russia to develop vaccines. The Pfizer vaccine, which needs ultra-cold storage, may never reach the poorest parts of the world. Many countries can't afford costly Western vaccines. There is a need for the world to receive this vaccine. There should be access everywhere. Which is why G20 leaders pledged last month to share vaccines with poorer nations. The Chinese virus. But vaccine nationalism won't end soon. Who was first? Whose is the best? Who's the most generous? The race is still on as the virus mutates and thousands die by the day. Never before has the whole world set out to vaccinate its population. But with rich countries making and buying up most of the vaccines, it could be years before millions in developing nations get one. And the problem for us? Well, no one is safe until we're all safe. 
Russia has reached a grim milestone in its pandemic. More than three million people have been infected with the virus to date after close to 30,000 more cases were confirmed, along with 567 deaths over the past 24 hours. A possible break in the investigation of the explosion that rocked downtown Nashville early Christmas morning. Authorities raided a suburban home late this afternoon to determine whether a person who lives there was responsible for the blast. Federal law enforcement confirms to NBC News they are searching the home of 63-year-old Anthony Quinn Warner in Antioch, Tennessee, in connection with the Christmas morning bombing just 12 miles north in Nashville. The explosion's aftermath, now a crime scene in the heart of downtown, that investigators describe as a massive jigsaw puzzle with pieces of evidence blown for blocks in every direction. We will find out the story of this individual or individuals, we don't know right now, but this, uh, this, this ultimate Scrooge who on Christmas morning, instead of spreading joy and cheer, decided to spread devastation and destruction. It began before dawn Christmas morning when heroic police officers responding to a call of shots fired found this mysterious RV parked on 2nd Avenue. Uh, they saw an RV uh, that was giving out a message saying it would detonate within 15 minutes, a countdown would go, music would play, and instead of uh, taking it as just uh, maybe a threat and calling in and getting resources, they immediately began knocking on doors. Confident their decision to evacuate immediately saved lives. So had they not done that, we'd be talking about uh, people as well with, you know, with the destruction that we have. So they're just heroic efforts in saving lives. With more than 40 buildings damaged and more than 500 tips to follow, federal authorities asking for patience while they find answers. Wendy Wolfolk, NBC News. In Health Matters, a doctor in Boston has reported an allergic reaction after receiving Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine on Thursday. Health experts say he used a personal EpiPen after experiencing symptoms of an allergic reaction and was taken to an emergency department for treatment. Hospital officials say he is now doing well and reportedly had a shellfish allergy. A study being led by a team of the, at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases is looking into why some people have allergic reactions to the COVID vaccinations. And the CDC recommends that people with a history of severe allergic reactions not related to vaccines or injectable medications, such as allergies to foods, pets, venom, environmental sources or latex, may still get vaccinated. Since face masks can muffle speech, a research team at the University of Illinois studied which types of masks block sound the least. They tested everything from medical masks to homemade fabric versions. They concluded that disposable surgical masks offer the best acoustic performance and will still keep those around you safe and you safe as well. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The new archaeological discovery in Pompeii, what this one includes that others have not. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, another one of those mysterious monoliths has popped up, but this one has a Christmas theme. This one appeared in a San Francisco park completely made of gingerbread. As you can see, it's several feet tall and decorated like, well, like gingerbread. But by this morning, unfortunately, it had collapsed in the light rain since it was only held together by icing and gumdrops. Yeah, that'll happen. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> but, Someone might have gotten hungry. <laughs> nice to see you back, and wow, what a beautiful picture behind you. Yeah, we've had a bit of an unsettled day today, but we managed to get a nice sunset, depending on where you are, especially across the south coast. So we'll start off with some photos. Uh, this one was captured in White Rock, so thank you so much, Corey. Gorgeous out there. Another one in Agassiz. This one captured by Melissa tonight. And in Chilliwack, a stunning view. This one taken by Dave and in Bowen Island. So thank you so much, Raphael, and thank you for capturing uh, the gorgeous sunset. If you didn't catch it, uh, there is the potential for more sunshine on deck as we get in towards the day tomorrow. Now here's a bit of wave of moisture that is going to work its way in across the island. So we're not out of the clear just yet. We've got a bit of a break, but there is another chance for some showers picking up, especially overnight leading in towards the morning hours on our Sunday. Six is what we're sitting at right now. We've got a southeasterly wind at seven kilometers per hour. We'll dip down to five. So I've left in that chance of showers overnight and for tomorrow morning. And then a nice clearing is on the way. So it is going to improve for the latter half of the day, the latter half of our weekend and into early next week. Highs tomorrow though, getting up to nine, the Average for this time of the year typically sits at six degrees. Now, tomorrow morning, there's that wave that we'll see right across the south coast, Metro Vancouver. The afternoon and early evening, most areas for Metro Vancouver, it looks like we'll actually get into a break, but the rain is still going to stay along the northern and central half of the island, so a heads up. Southern area near Victoria should remain dry through the afternoon and evening, and then a nice break is on the way for much of the southern half of the province. Heads up, though, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, we still have additional amounts this evening for the Rogers Pass. Five and up to 10 centimeters. The Coquihalla, an additional five. Similar for the Kootenay, Allison Pass, as well as the Sea to Sky, between two and up to four centimeters. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, it'll start to ease off. Tomorrow morning, it is flurries, and then towards the afternoon, a clearing is on the way. So much drier as we get into Sunday and Monday. Now, the northern half of the province, isolated showers along the coast. Inland, we still have light snowfall for the morning hours. For example, Terrace, two centimeters, and then easing off towards the afternoon. Dry for the northeastern corners, a few isolated flurries and then clearing out for the afternoon across the central interior and for the southern interior. So the mountain passes higher elevations will see flurries for the morning and then by the afternoon it should start to clear out and check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Along the south coast, it's the northern and central half that I'm continuing to or keeping in that wet weather, especially for the afternoon. Monday, fantastic. So tomorrow afternoon, Monday, we've got some sunshine. Looks like we'll have the next round of rain late Tuesday and leading into Wednesday. Colleen? All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Archaeologists have discovered an ancient street food shop in Pompeii preserved in a volcanic eruption in 79 AD. Traces of 2,000-year-old foods were found in some of the terracotta jars. A decorated bronze drinking bowl, ceramic jars, wine flasks, and some bones were also uncovered. The front of the counter was in good condition, decorated with bright colors and images of animals. Pompeii was home to about 13,000 people when it was buried suddenly under ash following the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. The ruins weren't discovered until the 16th century. Wow, that's amazing. I'm not sure you want to eat whatever's left in those <laughs> containers, though. Not quite the leftovers. Yeah, it's not the preserve you're looking for 2,000 no. years. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> Welcome back. Merry Christmas, Barry. Yes, the same to you. It's good to be back in here. And uh, I think a lot of people have been waiting for this day. Hockey fans, the World Junior Tournament oh, yeah. finally getting underway in Edmonton. Canada's been through so much. They had the COVID issues at their training camp in Red Deer. All the players had to isolate for two weeks. It's been a long road and they kind of took it out on Germany today. 16 to 2. Whoa. So we'll have some highlights of that coming up. All right. Looking forward. 
sports can reflect our society in so many ways, and that was particularly true this year. From Cinderella stories and players uniting against racism to athletes who became real heroes on the front lines of the pandemic, Mike Drolet has the 2020 sports stories we won't soon forget. He was the unlikeliest of sporting saviors, an everyman Zamboni driver who became a folk hero. And you'd think David Ayers stepping in to help the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Toronto Maple Leafs would be the strangest thing to happen to sport. We laughed and laughed until there was nothing left to laugh about. COVID-19 shut down basketball, followed by hockey and baseball. And as the sporting world debated what to do about the multi-billion dollar Tokyo Olympics, one country took the lead. Canada's Olympic athletes were the first ones to say, hey, we can't go to the Tokyo Olympics. This is ridiculous that we're even talking about it. And of course, in retrospect, it seems like a no-brainer. Sports would eventually return in the summer, but it wasn't the same. The NBA had every team play in a bubble in Orlando. Here's it in. And the NHL cut teams off from the outside world in Toronto and Edmonton. And although protected from COVID, the players weren't immune to what was happening in the streets. NBA players nearly walked out on their season and only agreed to continue playing if the billionaires that run their sport use their influence to affect change. It's amazing how you know sports figures in this era have become not just athletes, not just people who should shut up and dribble, as has been suggested south of the border at times, but they've been community leaders. COVID-19 would prove to have some remarkable timing, like when Justin Turner of the Los Angeles Dodgers tested positive in the middle of Game 6 of the World Series. He was pulled from the field, yet controversially returned to celebrate with his teammates. And when all four Denver Broncos quarterbacks were exposed to the virus, the team played on losing badly. How North America's top leagues will be impacted by COVID will be 2021's story to tell. But we already know the Raptors were forced to leave chilly Toronto behind for Tampa, Florida. One of the Bundesliga's rising stars, Alfonso Davies. And what would the year in sport be without acknowledging the top Canadian athlete? In 2022 stood out. Young superstar soccer player Alfonso Davies who was born in a refugee camp in Ghana and now helps raise funds for similar camps around the world. And he's only 20 years old. And then there's Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who went from the offensive line of the Super Bowl-winning Kansas City Chiefs to the COVID front lines. The McGill Medical School graduate opted out of his million-dollar contract to volunteer at a long-term care home. Davies and Duvernay-Tardif are standout athletes, But in 2020, it's their social awareness that set them apart. Mike Durlake, Global News, Toronto. Help recognize those who give back to the community. Do you know someone who has overcome adversity? Consider nominating them for the 23rd Courage to Come Back Awards. Every year, the awards pay tribute to those who have overcome overwhelming challenges and given back to the community. Nominate today. Connect Place Children's Hospice gives short lives the chance to shine. This holiday season, light up your life by sparking joy in children with life-threatening illnesses and their families. Your generosity gives the gift of a happy holiday memory. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC, celebrating 60 years of broadcasting. Celebrating 60 years as BC's News. 
Barry's here with sports. And Barry, you know, when we talk about the World Juniors, the one thing I'm going to miss is the crazy, passionate fans in the yes, stands. Everyone's got the face paint and everyone's excited to yeah. watch Canada, especially when we host the tournament, which we are uh, this year in Edmonton. But uh, obviously not the case this year because, well, you know why. Uh, thanks, Colleen. It's been a long road for Canada's World Junior team, but they finally got to play their first tournament game today in Edmonton. They had the 14-day isolation in Red Deer because of a couple of positive uh, COVID tests on the team, another four-day isolation when they got to the bubble in Edmonton, and they lost their captain, Kirby Dock, to a wrist injury in their only tune-up game the other day. So they faced some tough times, but were raring to go against undermanned Germany today, who had only 14 skaters. You usually get 20 because of positive COVID tests. Bowen Byram of the Vancouver Giants wearing the captain C will rotate it with Dylan Cousins. Uh, Canada gets off to the quick start. Caden Gooley finds room on the short side. And it's 1-0 Canada early on. Germany's star player is Tim Stutzler. Third overall pick by Ottawa, but he gets absolutely robbed by Canada's goalie, Devin Levi, stretching to make the part a sparkling pad save. Late in the first, 3-1 Canada. Controversial play here. Peyton Krebs pokes in the loose puck right at the first period buzzer. So they... Go to video review, and clearly the puck was not in before time expired, but apparently the IIHF feed showed that it was time. So the goal stood. The Germans were confused. Canada got the goal 4-1. It didn't really matter because Canada blew their doors off. Former Victoria Grizzlies captain Alex Newhook with a tremendous solo effort. Pretty goal there to make it 7-1. A few minutes later, Newhook is back for more. He's from Newfoundland, but did play his junior hockey with the Grizzlies in the BCHL. Bangs in his own rebound there to make it 8-1. And Bowen Byram did get in on the barrage. Gets the assist here on the Peyton Krebs goal. That one's under the bar. They had to review it, but it did go in. 11-1 at that point. 16-2 the final. Canada plays Slovakia tomorrow, and that'll be a much tougher game. Earlier today, Sweden and the Czech Republic. Swedes have won 52 straight preliminary round games at the Worlds. That's right, 13 straight years without a loss. But they have just one gold medal in that span. Haven't had the wins when they've really counted. They led 2-1 and then shorthanded Emil Heinemann with the break goes uh, five hole three one that kind of took the starch out of the checks This is a great goal here Elmer Soderblom between the legs and upstairs great goal Sweden wins their 53rd straight round robin game 7-1 over the checks They're definitely a threat to Canada at this tournament NFL Saturday three games today Tom Brady and the Bucks at Detroit a win and the Bucks clinch a playoff spot for the first time since 2007 and Brady wasted no time going to work Finds his old buddy Rob Gronkowski for the 33-yard touchdown. Gronk showing some good hands there. 6-0 just three minutes in. Next possession, Brady, three-step drop, fires the strike to Mike Evans. 27-yard touchdown. Brady's 34th TD pass of the season. That's a new Bucks team record. 13-0 Tampa after one. Second quarter, now 20-0. Brady play action. Zips it to Chris Godwin, who lays out flat out to make the one-handed grab. Brady's got himself some weapons in that Tampa receiving core. 27-0, and then before the half, Brady with his fourth TD pass of the game. This one to Antonio Brown. Brady, 22 of 27, 348 yards. Didn't even need to play in the second half as the Bucks cruise 47-7. They go to do uh, 10 and 5 and clinch a playoff berth for the first time in 13 years. Arizona Cardinals hanging on to the seventh and final NFC playoff spot. 
at home to the 49ers who've been eliminated, but Niners third string quarterback C.J. Beathard had three touchdown passes, two of them to fullback Kyle Juszczyk. San Fran led 20-12 in the fourth. Cards had a chance to tie, but Kyler Murray ill-advised pass to the end zone, picked off by Akella Witherspoon, and the Niners hand the cards a costly loss, 20-12. Arizona now 8-7. Dolphins and Raiders, Miami looking to get a step closer to clinching a playoff spot, but David Carr and the Raiders, who are barely alive in the playoff hunt, will strike first. Carr up and over, breaks the plane on this quarterback sneak, 7-0 Vegas, and they lead it right now 13-6 at halftime. Well, the Seahawks can clinch the NFC West and guarantee a home playoff date if they can knock off the Rams tomorrow. But L.A. has really been the Seahawks' nemesis of late. Seattle's lost five of their last six against the Rams, including a lopsided loss earlier this season in L.A. But this is a different Seattle team, healthier on offense and much more stout on defense, kind of like Chanel in the red zone. After clinching a playoff spot last week, the Seahawks now set their sights on a division title and a home playoff date. Now, that stunning loss by the Rams to the Jets gives Seattle the inside track in what is essentially the NFC West championship game on Sunday. Now, a win and the Seahawks are crowned division champs, but a loss would mean the NFC West won't be decided until the last game of the regular season. It appears the Rams were caught looking ahead as they were upset last week by the Jets. Now Jared Goff struggled getting sacked three times and throwing a pick, but he did have some success versus the Seahawks back in week 10, throwing for over 300 yards. But he now faces a defense that is only allowing an average of 12 points a game in the last month. The defense is number one overall and against the pass, allowing just 19 points a game. The Rams have 21 takeaways, that is seventh best in the NFL, and this unit has recorded 15 sacks in their last four victories. And over the last five meetings versus the Seahawks, the Rams have taken down Russell Wilson 18 times. The run game is back. Seattle climbing to number 11, averaging 125 yards a game this season. But in the last two weeks, the Hawks have ripped off 181 and 174 yards on the ground, and it's both Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde getting touches. Now, while Seattle will try to keep it on the ground, L.A. is number two against the run. What can you say about that defense? It has been quite the turnaround in the last month. Six turnovers, 14 sacks, and this unit has held opponents to 21 or fewer points in the last five games. But the pass defense still dead last overall, giving up 293 yards every week. The Seahawks are a slight one and a half point favorite and have actually lost five of the last six meetings versus the Rams, including two of the last three at home. He brought up the NBA tonight, Kyle Lowry and the Raptors in San Antonio. Raps lost their season opener against New Orleans. Newcomer Aaron Baines with the bucket here from OG Ananobi, 19-9 as the Raps jump out. Canadian Chris Boucher also having a good quarter. Coming off the bench with the follow there off the Norm Powell miss. And then later, Kyle Lowry to Boucher for the nice finish. He had nine points in the first. Toronto scored 39 in the first, but they are down 61-58. That should be Spurs at the half. 
Premier League. Marcus Rashford and Man United visiting Leicester City. Tied 1-1, 79th minute. Bruno Fernandez running on to his 10th goal in his first full season in the league. United thinking they've got their 7th straight road victory wrapped up. But Jamie Vardy and Leicester City will not go away. Vardy with a beautiful right heel deflection here. Leicester draws United 2-2, so they're now third, a point behind Everton. United is a point back of Leicester in fourth place. kind of saved the best for last. For years, fun-loving Beagle and his owner were well known for riding the streets of Halifax on a bike. Sadly, Frankie the dog passed away from old age. Well, now there's a new Beagle on the scene, but would he take to two wheels the way his predecessor did? Global's Alexa McLean has the story. Oh yeah, this is a good deal. Most dogs will do just about anything for a few snacks, and Willie the Beagle is no exception. This is a good deal for Willie. He's actually following in the paws of his owner Gary's first best buddy, Frankie, who many Haligonians came to love through bicycling rides that caught the eyes and hearts of all who knew them. That was the best way to get to the park. I mean, it was just amazing, right? So we were pretty much out there every day. Um, it wasn't sort of just for show or whatever. It was, it was, yeah, just a lot of fun. This fall, Gary lost Frankie to old age, but he didn't go through the heartache alone. Frankie and Gary attracted quite the fan base online. And while Gary parked his bicycle and Frankie's gear for a few months, eventually his followers encouraged him to try and find a new furry friend to accompany him on rides once again. There was a lot of uh, outpouring of support. That was, that was huge. You know, I, I appreciated that a lot. But also people were messaging me, suggesting I get another beagle. Following those suggestions and his heart, Gary began checking out rescue beagles around town. That's when he met this youngster, Willie. And slowly but surely, Gary was re-inspired to try out cycling again with his new buddy. But of course, he had to ensure Willie would be a-okay with the necessary gear. So I tried him in, uh, in Frankie's old backpack and, uh, and he was good. So then uh, I immediately ordered, his, <laughs> ordered him his, uh, his own backpack. Then, of course, came the most important part of the cycling getup. I kind of asked his followers online if they thought Frankie would be okay with Willie inheriting his doggles. <laughs> Although the response was an overwhelming yes, Gary thought Willie should start fresh with his own pair of doggles. And with that finishing touch, a new chapter began in the legendary Halifax story of Gary and his cycling beagles, once again bringing joy to all the fans who continue to follow their journey. They were glad I found a new buddy. <laughs> Alexa McLean, Global News, Halifax. Can't meet a dog in... in, in, in doggles. 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 Exactly. Those are key. I didn't know there were such a thing as doggles. Oh, there is. 
<laughs> well, and now I just want to get him a helmet. Yes. Because I'm kind of one of those oh, yes, safety freaks. He needs yeah. a helmet, that's right. Yeah, he needs a helmet. Uh, before we go, one quick look at the weather forecast. Uh, we'll see a few showers in the morning, a nice break for the afternoon, and then dry for Monday and through most of the day on Tuesday. Yay. Mm-hmm. That's the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan is here at 11 o'clock. Have a good night.